As many of you know, I recently took a big health test that told me exactly what I'm allergic to. It's made me make some pretty big life changes. No more apples, no more soy, no more nutritional yeast for me for a while. But the changes I've made are not just in my diet, they're in every aspect of my surroundings. And since we spend so much time sleeping, my bedroom was an important place to start. Now my bed is the comfiest, healthiest, and the most sustainable place ever, thanks to Buffy. They make bedding that's great for you, your health, and the environment. Their debut product, the Cloud Comforter, is softer than cotton and made from eucalyptus, which naturally soothes the skin. Not only that, it's hypoallergenic and has a high thread count that shuts out dust, mold, and mites for a healthier sleeping environment. Perfect for me and my allergies. And on those hot Aruban nights, it keeps me at the perfect temperature so I feel cozy without overheating, even when I'm next to Dennis. I love great products made by people who work hard to minimize their impact on our earth. Buffy spent sleepless nights worrying about the bedding industry and its effect on the environment, so they decided to change it. Their products are made using only renewable and recycled materials, which makes them as soft on the planet as they are on your bed. The eucalyptus they use needs 10 times less water to grow than cotton. Their products are filled with fluffy fibers made from 100% recycled bottles, and each blanket keeps approximately 50 bottles out of landfills and oceans. After only one year, Buffy has recycled and reused over 6 million water bottles. Buffy even offers a free trial. Try a comforter in your own bed for free, and if you don't love it, return it at no cost. But after one night's sleep in the clouds, I think you'll be more than happy. For $20 off of your Buffy comforter, visit buffy.co and enter promo code YOGAGIRL. That's buffy.co with promo code YOGAGIRL for $20 off of your Buffy comforter. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Today is a super special day because today I have one of my dearest friends on the show. She's a writer, a public speaker, teacher of all things love, and one of the most genuine people I've ever known. Today, her new book, On Being Human, is officially out. Welcome to the show, Jen Pastela. Hello. So good to be here again. Although last time I was sitting across from you in Aruba drinking wine. And I know. <laughs> so it's, but I'll take this. Yeah, yeah, I know. We've had a little bit of a downgrade in, the, <laughs> in not being able to see each other for a little while. We'll make up for uh, it. Last, we'll make up for it. I wish you were here. I, mean, I wish we were on a couch drinking wine. But you're in LA. I'm in Aruba. It's pretty good. Exactly. Hey, congratulations on your book birthday. Thank you. Thank you. How it's does really, it feel? I don't know. That's the honest answer. It feels really surreal. I'm really excited and proud and terrified and having a vulnerability hangover and anxious <laughs> and broken out and proud and jet lagged. <laughs> so, Everything all at once. This is such a such a big day. I mean, so you and I, we're, we're really close friends. We obviously have talked about this book, I feel, for years now (laughs) and it's kind of like everything culminating and today literally today people that you don't know people that you've never met all over the world are going to open the pages of this book yeah and that is terrifying as you know you already have a book out in the world a new york times best-selling book and i i'm i am i'm very terrified about that and excited and you know last night all of a sudden i was like wait take it back take it back. But it's, you know, it's out there. So a friend of mine, wonderful writer last night, she said, you know, this is the thing tomorrow, the book no longer belongs to you. And I love that to keep remembering that now it's, it's not mine anymore. Do you ever feel because of course, I've, I've read the book, it's, 
I, I cried, I think, the second page. Already the, the dedication, I was crying. I mean, really, it was... Um, My work is complete. First, <laughs> your work is complete, you know. But it's such a beautiful book. It's such a vulnerable book. It's such a... I mean, we get to learn about so, so many parts of your past. And I've learned new things about you that... You know, I feel like every chapter it was like, oh man, like I have to ask her about that. I never knew that that, you know, happened that way. Do you ever feel or are you feeling right now that maybe you've shared too much? Is there such a thing? It's mm, a good question. No, I don't. I, I I do think, you know, in life, yes, there is such a thing. I think I constantly encourage people to, you know, be vulnerable, but that doesn't mean like you walk down the street and, and overshare and that everyone deserves your story. I specifically, trust me, there's loads I left out, <laughs> loads. <laughs> but I, everything that I put in there, I feel really good about. So no, I don't have that. You know, the, the vulnerability hangover, as Brene Brown calls it, is real, as you know. So I think there's that generalized panic of, <gasps> but I'm pretty okay with everything that I put out there and I'm really going to be specific about not and adamant about not reading reviews, not ever looking on Amazon or Goodreads because there will be people who will, you know, say shit or whatever it may be. And that's not, has nothing to do with me. <laughs> I, I love that, and I, I learned a lot from you <laughs> because I'm, I'm I'm really bad at that one in the the one in the one hundred. Can you explain for anyone maybe who didn't listen to the last episode we did or who doesn't know that concept? Yeah, the one so, in the one hundred. Yeah, so it it dawned on me that you know if there's a hundred people in a room who love you and there's a one who doesn't, who do you focus on? And everyone always says the one, as I do, and and it's hard. It's hard being a person in the world and making yourself vulnerable and writing a book or whatever it is we do, leaving our house, when, when there's that one. And sometimes the one is, uh, you know, some asshole on the internet. Sometimes the one is your own inner asshole <laughs> or the one is a perceived one. But the the truth for me is that sometimes I still focus on the one, but it my recovery time is a lot quicker. So, okay, my feelings will be hurt and then I'll keep going as opposed to going now I'm never going to write again. Now I'm going to hide and never leave my house and just watch Netflix all day, which I sometimes do do. <laughs> but mm. I'm just a big advocate for telling the truth. So, okay, it's, my feelings still get hurt, but I'm not going to let it shut me down. Because, right, it's two options, keep going or shut down. But also in Elizabeth Gilbert, bless her soul, has also a book birthday today, City of Girls, one of the best novels I've ever read in my entire entire life she talks she's written really great things about this and there's no there's no good reason I should be reading I feel personally reading reviews you know or or uh, mean things someone says or whatever but will it hurt my feelings sure will <laughs> hopefully just you know five minutes and what about the 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 balance between because sometimes I feel you know feedback can be really valuable. I mean, sometimes through feedback, mm -hmm. it's it's a way for us to grow, to check ourselves, to well, um, to adapt and learn new things. Where do you find that, or how do you balance walking that line between, um, yeah, yeah, getting well, offended or listening to to literal assholes out there telling you you suck, <laughs> and then getting feedback that actually might be a good thing to receive. That's 
Look, first of all, I don't know what it is about the word feedback, but it makes my butthole clench. I hate that word. Because it's like never, I swear, it's like no one's ever said, can I give you feedback? And it's good. It's always like, but here's the deal. And again, this is my truth. The book's written. So what feedback are you going to, I can't go edit it or change it. Oh, and it's like no, my I mean, life. Not, not maybe the book, but what about what about you know people on the internet or people mm-hmm. who have opinions about things or sure, I'll I don't listen. know. I, I'll, I mean, I I really greatly appreciate it. I used to say, you know, my tribe all the time, and I don't say that anymore. And I really pay attention and listen to feedback, like, hey, you know, you're you're messing up here, or you could be more inclusive here, or whatever it may be, or that's that's not accurate, whatever, but. I can't also listen to every single thing or I'd never... Uh, yeah, that inner I'd asshole never... will grow along with the outer assholes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I forgot to say about the one and the 100. You know, I have tools. Oh, yeah. I have tools that I use and I do in my workshop and I talk about it in the book. But I I have, um, you know, I, I visualize somebody who loves me deeply before I leave my house or before I read something. And... You know, like right now I'm wearing my father's watch. For, he died in 1983, and it's like this talisman for me. But so I, I visualize them, and I surround myself in whatever you want to call it, light, you know, whatever. But to take it out of the woo, like so it's not so ethereal to make it grounded, I'll, I have everyone, including myself, I do this, write myself a letter in, in the voice of him that person or my son or whoever it is. And it doesn't have to be long, but it starts with, if you could see what I'd see, you'd know. And then I carry that with me, literally. Like I, it's like whatever works, whatever works to get you through life. And it doesn't always work because we're human and sometimes things still shut us down. But I, I think that if we remember that Sigmund Freud quote, how bold one gets when one is sure of being loved, it's much easier to focus on the 100 and not the one. Hmm. And it can change your whole life. You know, we have a, a couple of podcast episodes where I had my whole yoga teacher training group talk. So what you call the inner asshole, I call the inner critic. And to talk to themselves from that voice. Like, yeah, I heard it. It's beautiful. Astounding. Yeah, and then in the end, turning it around to the inner best friend. And it's such a, mm-hmm. um, it's such a remarkable transformation. I mean, it, it, it really is. And it's so easy. So easy to be supportive to our best friends. So easy to be supportive to the people that we love. And then it's so easy to be a total douchebag to yourself. Completely. By the way, I did a workshop, this amazing workshop in London on Sunday, and there was a couple girls from your teacher training, and I took some photos. I forgot to text you, but it was very exciting. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. they, they, they had like 12 of them got together to do a class on empowerment, a workshop in London. I don't know how they all ended up there at the same time. Well, I knew I, the reason so I knew amazing. is they were wearing island yoga shirts. I was like, oh my God, that's my friend's <laughs> yoga studio. We know we did her training. So it was, it was really special. <laughs> I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, I think it's so, it's so just reading your book. There's, there's so many pieces of gold in there. Like I love how at the end of every chapter, there's a little bit of a takeaway, you know, from something that you moved through in your past. And then how does that relate now? And how, how can I pick that up and do something with that? Thank you. Is there, is there, was there a specific part that you felt was, was a really, really hard lesson to learn? Like, is there something in all there that it? maybe you know of? <laughs> I mean, all of them? Well, yeah. Which and, one? Okay, let me rephrase. Which one do you struggle with today? You know, what's the recurring one that's still them? you got to remind yourself? <laughs> I, I think, you know, 
oh man, the inner assholes is rough. And so I call, you know, your mantra and or your mind tattoo, which is like the thing that you repeat all the time in your brain because we all wacky humans are repeating ourselves all day long, you know. And so I I, f- I figured out one day, oh, okay, this is really based on listening to Wayne Dyer for like 10 hours a day. But okay, if you if you change your thoughts, you change your reality. And if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I started to think, okay, what if I pick something that opens me up rather than shuts me down? Okay. Because my mantra was, I'm a bad person. I'm fat, stupid, just a college dropout. All these, you know, bullshit stories, as I call them. So anyway, last week in France, I was leading this magical retreat. I slipped, Freudian slipped, and I said, you're monstra. And all of a sudden, I was like, dude, that's it. So your monstra is a mantra that the inner asshole brings you. So the monstra mm. is like, I'm a bad person, and, you know, I'm fatter. So this morning, you know, and this is me being utterly honest, I, you know, I flew in from London last night, And I have been so psyching myself out. How am I going to do all this? What was I thinking? My book launches today. You know, I'm I'm like hitting the ground running. And I'm I'm exhausted and probably hungover from all the... I drank all the wine in France and dehydrated (laughs) and just kind of... And so it's when you're in that state, at least for me, it's really easy for the inner asshole to bring your monstra. So all the not enoughness, all that stuff is like rearing its ugly head today of all days. But it makes perfect sense, you know, because it's also, well, who am I to have a book out in the world or to be successful or, or all these things? I do. Th- I think the inner asshole is the hardest one for me to, to quiet it. Mm. And I always I always say in my workshops, I did used to think you could kill it. And I realize now you can't you just quiet it. And today I will not let my inner asshole be the boss of me. Nope. Hmm. And what are some things that you do? Because, I mean, we all have that inner asshole. We all have that inner critic. For me, what, I, what I've seen really this year, and I've spoken about on the, on the show uh, a, a little bit or a lot, is that whenever I have something going on with my body, because my physical health hasn't been 100% over the past year, then my inner asshole gets really, really loud. So for yep. me, it's like my, I feel like my body is failing or I'm sick or I can't perform. I can't do the things I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, that's my trigger for my inner asshole or my inner critic to get super, super loud. Like, look at you, you know, you're not going to be able to do this retreat. You're not going to be able to do this training. You won't finish your book. You're not going to be able to do this week's podcast. You know, everybody's going to laugh at you. It gets really, really, really loud. And sometimes I go into this kind of spiral where I feel like the more I listen to that inner critic, the worse I feel in my body. And the oh. worse I feel in my body, the right. louder that's, the That's why we gets. have to quiet it. And there's, you know, I've found tools. They don't always work. But one of them is like moving my body, <laughs> whether it's yoga mm-hmm. or for me, I go on the elliptical and I, as you know, I binge watch every show. And, but I, I move my body and the endorphins, especially as someone who struggles with depression, really, really help me. And I make sure I'm very conscious of who I surround myself with and whether mm, it's in real life and one. online. Yeah. And I do my best. This is hard because I have a toddler and we share a room <laughs> to start my day in silence, a few moments of silence and get really quiet and try to listen to my body and ask, what is it saying? And to check in, which is, what's a bullshit story? I also ask myself, what am I going to let myself off the hook for today? It's huge. So Um, what have you let yourself off the hook for today? 
not changing from the clothes that I've been wearing for two days, <laughs> mm. um, not following up with... I had about six interviews that were due last week when I was in France, and I, I couldn't get it done. I don't know what I was thinking, that I could lead a retreat and do all this stuff and do this work. Mm, I love that. I don't know, not my book already. Ridiculous expectations I have being like, you know, whatever, number one. You know, it's a parade not going down the street for me, <laughs> not being perfect. For I saw your post the other day about Candida, and, you know, I struggle with that. And it's I'm I didn't a, know that. Yeah, I'm having a flare-up. And so my skin right now feels like, not an exaggeration, it feels like sandpaper. And it's, it really was depressing me in France. Like in photos, I could see it. It was itching. And yet it gets worse from drinking wine. So what do I do? I drink all the wine. <laughs> so, you know, for me, like every day is a constant process of letting myself off the hook. <laughs> oh, man, but that's a really good one. What can I let myself off the hook for today? How can we be a little kinder, a little softer, a little gentler on ourselves? Absolutely. That's a big one, especially if you have an inner critic or an inner asshole that tells you you have to perform all the time or you have to be perfect or you have to, you know, because people's inner critics, you know, they don't always manifest in that way. You know, sometimes it's the opposite. Right. Like not getting anything done. And I think it's a great thing to ask at the end of the day, too. Because in the beginning of the day, it's like, yeah, I'm full of hope. And at the end of the day, you're like, well, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> I drank full three of cups of coffee. I didn't brush my teeth. Where's and all I did was look at Instagram. Where's the wine? <laughs> you know, so. Um, what else do I do? Oh, 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 I dork it out. I am a huge fan, as you know, of dorking it out and being silly and embracing that side of myself. So I will have a dance party with my son or in my car or just do something utterly absurd and ridiculous and fun and silly. And it makes me feel young and good. Yeah. And it's nice to not have to feel so put together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's an important piece. I know. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I have always loved history. No matter where I am in the world, I always think of the people that came before and paved the way to the society we have now. It's fascinating. But even more so, I love how science, technology, and public records have merged together to allow us to dive deeper into our own history than ever before. Where did my family originate? I learned all of this and much more with Ancestry DNA. And you too can combine the Ancestry DNA test with billions of historical family records to learn your own story. Who knows what you'll discover? And if you think that's all, Ancestry DNA gives you so much more than just the places you're from. You can connect to the places in the world where your story started using precise geographic details and clear-cut historical insights. You can even trace your ancestors' journeys over time, following how and why your family moved from place to place. To amplify your results, you can start a free trial on Ancestry and build a family tree so your ancestors become more than just a name. They have combined DNA results with over 100 million family trees and billions of records to give you more insights into your genealogy and origins. Only Ancestry can tell such a rich story with unique features that give more complete pictures about a person like events that shaped them, what school they attended, how they made a living, and what they excelled in. I'm going to make Dennis do the test next, and then I'll know more about Luna's history too. For a limited time now through June 13th, go to Ancestry.com slash Yoga Girl today to get your Ancestry DNA kit for $69 only. That's Ancestry.com slash Yoga Girl for $69. Ancestry.com slash Yoga Girl. The world is changing now more than ever. We all need more than one source of income, but not everyone wants to quit their jobs and become a startup founder. 
That's what Side Hustle School is all about. It's a short daily podcast, seven days a week, that tells stories of ordinary people making extra money without quitting their jobs. The host, Chris Gillabo, also has an intriguing new book out there this month called The Money Tree. It's an engaging story of how you have the power to create your own financial destiny, something that's especially important in this time of uncertainty. Get your copy of The Money Tree today from any bookstore or online retailer. Learn more at moneytreebook.com and listen to Side Hustle School wherever you get your podcasts. So actually, I, I took some questions through social media. We got a bunch in, but... Someone asked at the very top, like the first question I got was, what is her book about? What is my book about? <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, Does, don't everybody know what this book is about? Like, so, okay, I, so for someone who maybe... <laughs> I, I tweeted this doesn't morning. doesn't know. Yeah. What, tweeted, what is it about? This is what, oh, I actually posted this on Instagram this morning. I thought I would die from depression. I didn't die. I don't have my glasses. <laughs> I wrote a book about it and waiting tables in Hollywood for a million years at the same restaurant and my hearing loss and grief and anorexia and about how hard and beautiful it is to be a human, a person in the world. So it's about that. One day somebody asked me, and this is what I said, and I feel like this really sums it up. It's about a person who almost died but didn't, and that was me. And all the things that almost killed me and truly almost killed me. I don't know how I'm still here, but I am. I am not dead. So it's about... How is... Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just about all those, How, all those things. Because your, your, your life story is so beautiful. Thank you. And you wouldn't know. I mean, of course, you talk about it all the time. So if you spend enough time with you, everybody will, would, would know. But you don't look like someone who struggled with depression. Like yeah. when you walk into a room, you know, Me- you don't antidepressants, look at baby. and think, oh, no. <laughs> antidepressants, baby. Yeah. And, you know, the anxiety, it's also, I don't know which was worse for me. It's always, the anxiety is almost more debilitating than depression for me. I am medicated and I, it's funny because even though I know I cannot be without them, I still have moments, you know, even in in France during the retreat where I think I want to go off because I feel a little more open when I'm not a lot more open. I have a hard time crying, but I can't. So I'm medicated and I, I really... uh, walk the talk as best as I can. So I, I, I use the tools that I talk about in my book and my workshop. And a lot of times I just stay in my bed all day and on my couch all day and I don't post about it. And one of the things that I've realized, it was a big epiphany for me, is that it's really easy for me to talk about something when it's over. Like I used to be really depressed and this and that, but not when you're in it. Think about it. So, like, if I did a post and, like, I'm really su- struggling right now, I, I, maybe I've done that once, but I don't talk about it as much. And, it, and it's tricky because, I mean, thank God now my whole thing is real motherfucking life. So it's not like I have this reputation that I'm, like, this positive person. I, not at all. But I, now I, all my job is just to tell the truth. But for a long time I thought, oh, I can't. I can't talk about these things because people think of me as like inspirational. You know? mm. What a shitty label that is. <laughs> well, if someone so, wants to call you that, fine. It's hard to live up to. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if you have this, but I have this pressure sometimes when people get so excited to meet me, not because I have to be positive or anything, but because they're like, "You're so inspiring," and I think, oh, "Yeah, when you meet me, you're going to be like, you're just a five foot two." Jewish girl from New Jersey, like, okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. 
it's inspirational. It is hard when when people put you on some kind of uh, inspiring pedestal. Yeah, but I mean that's their choice. You know, totally. I have a I have a teacher who says anyone on a pedestal is pretending. You know, so anyone who actually puts themselves up there, like, hey, I'm the let me teach you some stuff. You know, and I always struggled with that, especially within the yoga community. This. Yeah. This idea of, of teacher versus student, and for a long time, I didn't even I, I felt uncomfortable saying I am a yoga teacher because <laughs> right. I was like, who am I to, to 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 be the teacher and not the student? But there is a way to to balance those things and to move from teacher to student and then back to teacher and then back to student, and we're all always learning all the time. Oh god! But anyone who really puts themselves in that place, like here, you know, let me teach the masses my my ways. I always had a really I don't know, all the the big self-help gurus, the actual gurus, the yoga gurus who kind of want to be in that place. I always I always struggle with that a little bit. My friend, brilliant writer named Renee Denfeld, she she blurbed my book and it says it on the inside jacket cover. It says, Jem Pashalap is the anti-guru. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's the best. Anti-guru, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, be your own guru. I think it's a it's, yep. a it's a really big one, but it's hard to live up to. So this idea, I don't know. I think this idea of being inspirational, if it's in the context of, yeah, you're so positive all the time, uh. you live such a great, perfect life, and you know, you're this yoga person. That's so inspiring. That's a really, uh, at least for me, because I, I mean, I, I don't I don't share that side of myself as anymore. But it used to be a really hard thing. I felt almost yeah, suffoc like I was suffocating when someone said that. Oh, because yeah. it was such a small part of my life. For sure. For sure. And I but Do you feel I'm, now then? Oh, what yeah. about when you meet someone? Do you feel now? What if that day you're not feeling particularly vulnerable? You know? You're like, hey, maybe I'm not feeling super authentic today. <laughs> every day. Or, every day. Yeah. I mean, I really social media is so deceptive because people think you're so busy. And now, granted, these past couple of weeks I have been. But when I'm not working or whatever, I am just sitting on my sofa. <laughs> laying in bed and with Charlie in my apartment and I hardly ever leave my house. And I do hide a lot. Maybe hide is the wrong word, but because of my hearing loss, going out in groups and social events, a lot of times it's it's very isolating and anxiety-inducing. So I, I stay in a lot. So yes, I feel that a lot. When Or people are going to think I'm stupid because I have trouble hearing and I constantly, you know, ask, what, pardon, or I mishear. I keep joking lately that the next book I write is going to be, be called Things I, I Mishear, Miss in parentheses. It's not really going to be, but I just hear everything wrong. Mm. Right now I don't because it, headphones on, it's turned up really loud. It's like if everything was this great sound-wise, it would be a lot easier. But but yeah, I, f I feel that same thing you feel all the time. And yet I keep going and... <laughs> And yet, then that's the thing. And yet, I keep going. Mm -hmm. So what, that was a question we got too. What about those days when you feel like you don't know how to keep going? When, you know, maybe you've been on that couch or been in bed for a really long time and it feels like yeah. a huge mountain to climb just to, to stand up and, you know, well, go outside. Then what do you do? I have my, I don't suck, right, people? <laughs> my, I don't suck, right? Like, so I'll text you, I don't suck, right? Or call you or Lydia and... So, no, you don't suck. You can do this. Last week, no, uh, three weeks ago, I was driving in Hollywood and I got lost and my son was in the back and I was getting frustrated. And he said, mommy, and I tilted the mirror so I could read his lips. He said, mommy, remember, you can do this. 
he wasn't even three yet. And I had to pull over. I was like, who even are you? What? And so now every day he says that to me. I go, remember, he goes, you can do this. I text Nathan, you know, it was like my best friend. I, I can do this, right? So I, I really rely on support and love a lot. Reminders, you know, we need it. Yes, you can do this. I got you. Hmm. Oh, we totally need it. We totally need it. And that's also, have you ever had to, I mean, I know you have, but how about recently felt like you needed to distance yourself from people that maybe aren't in that supportive space? Because that can be a really challenging thing to do. And I think part of part of growing into our hearts, part of, of stepping into that place of, of, of accepting ourselves for the way we are, it's going to come with some sort of realization of, oh, wait, not everybody is yeah. going to that's been a tough pill to swallow, way. truthfully. Um, and what's what's tricky about that is, <laughs> you know, bullshit stories that we've had in our body and, and carried with us for so long, it's, it's easy for them to rear their head. And so when that happens, it's easy for me to kind of go, see, see. So it's, I have, I, yes, distancing myself as important boundaries, they're important, really being mindful about who is in my inner circle. And I've gotten really good at it, really good. And how do you let those people down? Or how do you, how do you take that step of creating distance? I just, um, I just do. I just stop. I just don't engage as much. I don't um, reply. I don't, whatever it is, like to, to each, in, you know, there's no blanket answer for that, but each individual person. It's not like there's been a ton, but hmm. I just know. And I, and I also then go, okay, I can't take this personally. And I really work on that. Because I've, I've had that with, with specific, I mean, not, not a ton, but where I've, I've had relationships maybe that were really old. And I, I realized after a while, like, okay, we're just kind of stringing this along because once we were really good friends, you know, once, but now we don't have anything in common anymore. And it kind of feels yeah. like this kind of just the energetic exchange didn't feel even. I think and that happens all I, the time. And yeah, that's part of life. And I mean, the older we get, we kind of it's 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 easier to grasp that. But I have a lot of friendships that are like 30 years old or more. And sometimes you realize you go, oh, we're really friends because we have shared history together. And sometimes <laughs> it's OK, but you don't have to hold on as tight. It doesn't mean you have to like completely break up, but. You just don't have to, you know, work so hard because sometimes you do wake up one day and go, wow, we have nothing in common. <laughs> right. But in right. fifth grade, we did. And that happens. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I had one, this was a couple of years ago, but I had one relationship like that where almost every time the person would text or call, it was only in relation to needing some sort of, needing something from me. Okay. That makes me you know, want to barf never, in my mouth. Yeah. But, I mean, no. Just but no. Never the other way around. Never, ever, ever the other way around. Or never there to celebrate me when something was good, but only there to kind of reach for something, ask for something. And after a while, I was talking to Dennis about it a lot. Like, hey, I feel really suffocated in this relationship. You know, I really don't feel like it's genuine. I have no longing to be with them. And I just feel so drained after every conversation we have. And then uh, I, I came to this place where I was like, you know what? I need to, I need to kind of break up with this person, even though it was a friend. And then I did, and afterwards I had this, almost this feeling of... Uh, guilt? I don't know, like, I, yeah, super guilt. Even though I felt relieved in so many ways because it was just, it was a one-sided relationship, wasn't bringing me anything, it was, it was off. 
I had this huge feeling of guilt, like I did something terrible and, you know, what's that person going to think of me now forever? Even though I had decided like, hey, <laughs> this is not good for me, this relationship, it's not, it's toxic, let it go. And then still like a little sliver of guilt. Yeah, that because um, because you have there. a big heart and you're human and and because being a person is complicated and relationships are complicated, I think that's normal. I think the weirder thing would have been like if you were like, okay, oh well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Yeah, 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 that's true. But sometimes, you know, we come across those people and they're our family. You know, that was the question we got. What if you have someone that's super, super close to you and you know they're not good for you? Well, you know, Wayne Dyer used to always say, oh, I miss him. What did he say? Your, fr your friends are God's way of apologizing for your family. God, I love him. I miss you, Wayne. I hope you're listening wherever you are. I hope you're with my dad so, and my father-in-law just hanging out. And, oh, for um, sure. So, yeah, and sometimes you actually, you, you what are you going to do? It's like your, your parent or whatever. But there are ways to create boundaries, and then you just make sure that your friends and the other people you find that are your people lift you up and remind you who you really are and don't let you carry your bullshit stories around. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. As I shared on my Instagram stories earlier this week, we just redid our dining area in the kitchen. It's been a long time coming and I'm so happy it's done. We used to have these weird shelves there, this kind of odd table and the dogs would sleep there sometimes in the day. It just looked too crowded. And then we had this picture wall, but it just looked too bare and I just I never could really figure it out. But now we have a perfect setup. We built a super cute white bench to sit on and repainted our entire dining area behind the pictures I love most. I covered the bench in white and blush pink pillows and now it's a homey and cozy place for family meals. The only thing that's left to get is a bigger table to match the bench. The perfect ones are hard to find here in Aruba, but I know as soon as I do, it's time for a huge dinner party. And of course, no dinner party is complete without my summer go-to. A refreshing quinoa salad made with chickpeas, cucumber, red bell pepper, onion, parsley, olive oil, lemon juice, garlic, and of course, Bob's Red Mill Organic Quinoa. I love using the whole grain gluten-free quinoa because it has a nutty flavor, super delicious in pilaf, salads, soups, stir fries, I put it in everything. As a vegan, it's a great source of iron and offers high quality protein too. And everyone loves it, even Dennis. So hopefully the salad and all my other Bob's Red Mill recipes will make him happy enough to install the new light fixture I want in the dining room as well. Head over to bobsredmill.com slash yoga girl and enter for a chance to win some super fun Bob's Red Mill goodies. One winner will be selected by random selection each month. What's a bullshit story that, that you've let go of? I'm not a real writer. Huge for me. Mm, yeah. Huge. And I'm not a real writer. Because now I'm like, well, wait. I have just, my book wait. is in my hand right now. And <laughs> yeah. I mean, it still rears its head. I'm not a real writer. I'm a bad person. I fuck up sometimes, but I am certainly not a bad person. And I, I am love. <laughs> so I really have let go of that. There's been a lot. There was a piece in your book that uh, I was taking little notes as I was reading and there was a piece that I loved. There was a chapter. So, so if anyone listening who doesn't know, so you worked at this restaurant for 14 years in LA and I love how you share the pieces of it in the book and the lessons that came from that. And there was one piece about, um, my head was up my ass. Well, your head was up your ass. There's a lot of pieces. About that. That's Nathan's favorite part. It was like 1998. My head was up my ass. 1999, <laughs> my head was still up my ass. 
<laughs> so fun. But this one was uh, that you were always carrying a lot of stuff around. Oh my God. You yeah. always had this really heavy bag digging into your shoulder. Yep. And then, yeah, tell the story. Bag the lady. Story. So I, <laughs> it just still makes me laugh. I mean, I, I've told it now thousands <laughs> of times. But so, you know, my father died when I was eight and it was very, very traumatic and I felt responsible. Thus, I'm a bad person bullshit story. And I like to hold on to things and hoard things because I don't want to let anything go after that loss and that trauma. So in the, in the physical way that manifests is I'm kind of a bag lady. And I just always have so much stuff, you know, literally and metaphorically and emotionally. So when I waited tables, I'd have this huge backpack, you know, and I'm like a little person. 5'2", and backpack was like as big as me, and I had everything in it, you know, hardback books, sneakers, bottles of water, bananas, God forbid, I'll, I'll, I'll starve, I needed all snacks, and everything, it was so big. So I got home at the end of the night one night, huge ass backpack, and I open it up, and inside there's a frying pan, a honeydew melon, <laughs> a banana, Cholula sauce, and a yellow coffee mug. And so the question I ask is, one might wonder how one walked so far and one didn't notice that there were all these things in one's bag. And the epiphany I had was when you carry so much shit, you don't realize when other people add their own shit to it. And so mm. now let me tell you, I didn't realize that in the moment. I realized this late, years later when I was writing about it. And I thought, oh, okay, so it's like carry only what you need. And the truth is we need very little. There's so many things and messages out in the world, media, social media, stores, capitalism that tell us you need this. We don't. And then there's so many other, you know, things that we carry that don't belong to us. I have so many people that come to my stuff that have been raped or sexually assaulted or, or abused and like really have to put it down that it's not theirs to carry. But I love the story of the backpack because it, it helps me understand it more. And in, in not this just like, again, this like woo kind of way. It's like, oh, okay, now I can really break that down and understand in a literal way. Stop caring so much shit. Stop you don't need so a frying pan on your back. so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. You don't. And it's also so clear that, you know, the, the less we carry, the faster we're going to recognize when someone puts something on us that isn't ours. Bingo. It's going to be really easy to Bingo. see, oh, wait, hey, that, that guilt, like that shame, that story, that whatever. Not mine. That's not mine. No. Yeah. This... And if we have all these things, it's going to be really, you know, really hard to distinguish. Well, you know, we might not even notice if we walk around all day with a backpack full of frying pans. Exactly. This a friend of mine, Kate Northrup, wrote a book called Do Less that came out last month or in April. And I love it. But she talks so much about this do less mentality. And I really think about that with the carrying less. But also, like, even in my stuff, my workshops, everything, I've started to do less. This feeling of, like, I don't have to do it all in one workshop or get it all done or make everyone happy. or It's like this huge exhale. Do less. Mm. And a hard, I mean, that, 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 that's a hard, a hard one for me, for sure. I've had a few days recently where actually this whole kind of long weekend that we just had, where at some point in the day, kind of everything stopped and I had to think like, oh, what's next? 
And those moments for me are so, so rare because there's always something next, you know, like empty the dishwasher or the baby has to eat or the baby has to sleep or I got to answer these emails or I got to do this, I got to do this. So as soon as I finish one thing, the next thing is already there. And it's always going to be that way. That's the thing. And it's always going to be that way. Yeah. And yesterday even we had a really nice day at home and then I had this moment of just what's next? I said, Dennis, do you want to take the baby grocery shopping? He's like, yeah, what do you have to do? He like thought I had an interview or a meeting or something. And I said, no, I just, I would like to sit here and read. <laughs> and that, like, but that okay. is, that's actually what I do. And so I, I tend to get really overwhelmed. And so instead of just doing one thing, I think about all of it and I psych myself out and then I do nothing. I just watch Mindhunter on Netflix. You know what I mean? I just do nothing. <laughs> Yeah, it's so my my I have a, I have an answer of how to get better about that with the emails and stuff. Just don't reply. Mm. <laughs> I'm so if you're listening, anyone listening and I've never replied to you, I truly do want to get better. I'm the worst. I'm the absolute worst at returning emails and and things like that. So the truth about that is though that means I know I need an assistant. It's like okay, there's things I suck at, there's things I'm great at. Yeah. I cannot I don't know what it is. Like, even it's like a basic thing. It's like I look at it, I reply in my head. I, I just... So. Yeah, but then you need someone there. That's the thing. And, and I was kidding, and, by the way. I, I was kidding about you. not replying. I just mean, like, that, that's that been my no. MO. Yeah, but I think it's kind of a cool realization. It's an important one that, okay, I'm not the best at everything. Uh, I shouldn't put all of my energy to do everything, but where there are little gaps to ask for help or ask for support or put things down and just let them be and not have anybody do it, um, yeah. to take that opportunity when it comes. It's a really, it's a really big thing. Completely. I, I, I feel um, like it's a mother thing too. As mothers, I think it gets harder to not do all the things. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> because then suddenly we have so. this person in our lives that needs everything all the time. I did a panel in Los Angeles at Wanderlust with Kate Northrup and and uh, two other women, and and it was about motherhood. I can't remember the name of the panel, but you know I'm no bullshit motherhood, so they asked me, and uh, they asked everyone in the panel something like, "Who is your your team, or who helps you with their child?" I can't remember how they worded it, and everyone answered something really profound. And I looked at the audience and I said. The iPad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what did it, they say? How did they react? Everyone laughed, but but it's true. So <laughs> do I give them the iPad all day long? No, but I'm also clearly abundantly aware I can't do it all. I'm not wealthy. I don't have like a nanny all the time or someone that can, you know, sit down and like teach him another language and play with wooden toys with him so that I can get my work done and he can be completely screen free and all that other. No. So I do what I can do. And that's, I think when it gets really, uh, at least I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you feel the same way, but sharing pieces of that, I think is really hard to do in social media. Oh my God. Yeah. Because the judgments, the the judgments and the outer assholes, I think in the, in the community of mothers somehow, I mean, there's also, of course, a lot of support to be found there, but also I think people walk around with a lot of fears. And, I know. And because you know of that, there's a lot of judgment. It's weird, though, and I think part of it is, like, I'm older than you, so, like, there are there is something to be said for, like, years on the planet. Each year you're like, oh, I give a little fewer fucks, I hope, for me. But, like, <laughs> for whatever reason, the mom stuff doesn't get to me so much. Oh, I, I man, don't, it gets I, to me, like, crazy. 
<laughs> I don't post on no, no bullshit motherhood as much as I want to. I just like I get busy and I forget about it. And but I what I do is I lend it out to people, which I love. So, so it's no like, bullshit motherhood is this Instagram account that you yeah. have where you share yeah. stories I, from. I really I want to keep doing that. As, like how, it's a community Instagram. So like you can take it over, Rachel or our friend Laura or Stephanie or Ashley. These other moms for like a week. And but anyway, I I I don't know what it is. It just doesn't get to me but I will say that particularly community they're so loving like they wouldn't really be on there if they were you know yeah well. if they were but at, but at the end of the day always people have opinions and like you know I don't know why and I I don't care why I'm just pretty good at not comparing myself like trying to keep up with the Joneses with the mom thing other mm. stuff yes but the mom thing not so much you know my son goes to this preschool near my house and I, I'm like the I feel like I'm like the black sheep you know they're all like in the Range Rovers and I'm like hi <laughs> we live in the one bedroom next door we, you know but I don't care it's great and I don't care and it's great that should be the name of this podcast episode <laughs> I don't care and it's great and and Pink has been so inspiring who I absolutely love and she blurbed my book which is the weirdest dream come true. No, it's not. It's weird and it's a dream come true. But she is a really big inspiration with No Bullshit Motherhood. And she's recently like stopped posting because she had all these trolls, you know. Um, I don't know if you caught wind of any of that. And I think you get a lot of that too. Part of it is because you guys have so many followers. So the more followers you have, the more shit you're going to get. But also, like, I will say I never... There's certain cans of worms I won't open, like the vaccinations and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't even have the patience to. I'm not getting yeah. into any of that, so I steer away from some things, just for yeah. my own. I have this sanity. new thing that I'm trying to do, which works sometimes and then sometimes doesn't. Because the thing about I like the discussion. I actually like sometimes stirring the pot. I actually like to learn about other people's opinions and views. And okay, well, you think this way, well, I think that way. I don't know. There's something about that that gets me going in a sense. Agreed. But then that there are other mob mentality scares me more than anything. Right. Anything, I swear. Mentality, mob mentality yeah. is just like... Mob mentality. S- agree with you 100%, except the, the, something, then there's like this weird shift and all of a sudden everyone starts piling on and it's the most terrifying. Yeah. I like cover. No, under, it's super, Cover super under scary. the covers. I'm scared. Well, I, I, I try to think of it now. It's okay. Is this stealing my peace? Like if I find myself stepping away from whatever conversation or the phone or whatever it was that was kind of triggering that conversation. And then I'm still thinking about it and I start to worry about it. I start to obsess over it. I started feeling anxious about it. Okay. It's this conversation stealing my peace and it's not adding exactly. anything valuable to my existence anymore. And I can, it's time that I let this go or shut this down. And some things, you know, are, are, are actually really helpful. And some things for me are just, okay, that robbed me of half a day of feeling peaceful. That uh, means that there's something in there that I have to check that I have to, yeah. you know, draw a boundary or, or do something. Which which circles back to your feedback question, right? So there's there's mm-hmm. some times where you're like, okay, I learned something. And thank gosh, these people educated me. And But sometimes it's just, whew, the mob. <laughs> you are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. 
Let me tell you a story about when I was younger. I thought I was way too cool for braces when I was 12 or 13 and I decided to skip it. I was not gonna get them at all. And then I got a little bit older, 15, 16, and I realized I needed braces really bad. I finally got them and I'm so glad I grew up and realized how important it is to take care of your teeth. And I'm glad I was introduced to Quip, the next level electric toothbrush that makes staying on top of your oral hygiene as easy as ever. Quip ensures you get the best brush with every use. With sensitive sonic vibrations, this toothbrush is gentle enough for all gums. Most people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are way too abrasive, but Quip has just found that perfect balance. There's even a new kids brush so I can get Luna started early. Quip kept the original design but tweaked it a little bit for kid-sized mouths. There's a smaller brush head, watermelon anti-cavity toothpaste, and rubber grip handles and colors the little ones love. Kids are inspired to brush better and more often with oral care that looks and feels like the products that adults in their life already use, and they're happy to use Quip. Help them develop a grown-up routine without childish gimmicks, something I wish I learned a lot earlier in life. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes to be accepted by the American Dental Association, and it has thousands of verified five-star reviews. Try it out for yourself, and you'll see the cleanest mouth comes from Quip. Not just for you, but for your entire family. That's why I love Quip and why over 1 million happy, healthy mouths do too. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash yogagirl right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash yogagirl. Someone asked, and I think this is a, this is a, uh, actually a few people asked this, but they phrased it a little bit differently. How do you practice self-love without feeling selfish? And someone else asked, can we talk about self-love versus egoism? So I think that's the same kind yeah. of question. Well, one of the things I ask in my workshop is, and I ask this of myself every day, what would radical self-care, self-compassion look like to you? And people start writing and they answer it. But then... I say, okay, now give me something specific that you're going to do in the next 24 hours. Again, takes it out of woo-woo land. It makes it really tangible and actionable. So it can, the self-love can be like the smallest thing. When I leave here, I'm, my stomach is growling so loud. I'm sure every listener hears it. But when I leave here, self-love for me is I'm going to go and buy myself a beautiful, beautiful salad. Self-love for me is doing something that that will make me be a better human in the world, you know? So I think a lot of times when it's like uh, the guilt or any of that comes in because that's the inner asshole, right? So like I just left my son for a long time. I went to France and London and there's that part of me that's like, oh, am I a bad mom for doing this? The answer is no. If anything, that's inspiring. My son is going to grow up and look what my mom did. You know, she she went out there and, and and let her identity be more than just me. I think everyday self-love is different. A lot of times it's just changing your monstra, <laughs> like starting the day off with I'm enough and keeping that tattooed in your mind. The the egoism thing, I don't know. I don't know because it's it's you know, right now I'm posting so much about my book and everything and I I will not feel guilty for that. So even though I'm sure someone will be like, okay, enough already. But no, I worked hard for this, damn it. Hmm. Super hard. Super hard, <laughs> and I'm proud of it. And people used to ask me all the time when I first started doing well with my workshops and, you know, like it, it seemed to people to be out of the blue. And I would promote myself, and people would say, how do you do it? I'm just so bad at it. And I always said this, well, no one else is going to do it for me. 
might as well do it. And a lot of it, the, the struggle comes with, because we're so afraid of what will they think? People will think I'm full of myself. You know what? Let them. Let them. Let them think I love myself. I do. Some days I don't like myself, but I do love myself. Let them. <laughs> oh, that's a really beautiful piece. And I think also it kind of intertwines because the self-love and selfishness, I think we are going to act more selfish and in a more egotistical way if we feel like we're always lacking. Yeah, if we feel like we don't have enough time, we don't have abundance, we're not supported, you know, we are not giving enough to ourselves, we're going to feel like we have to grab and look around and, you know, like we don't have enough and she has that. So exactly. I have to grab too, exactly. Or, you know, bingo. So, you know, also selfish is like a spectrum thing too. What, is, what does that mean, selfish? I don't, being selfish isn't bad, but if, like, to a degree it is, if you're, if you're a narcissist and you don't um, pay attention to anyone else, but if you're being quote-unquote selfish, but you're, you're, you have empathy and you're radically listening to someone and you're doing love, as I call it, and you're asking, how am I a serve, then how are you being selfish just because you also do something for yourself? Can't we be, can't right. we, what I love about humans is we, our capacity to hold more than one thing. I can be selfish yeah. and also full of love and a great listener and a great friend. <laughs> Guess what? I can be both. Selfish just has a really bad rap, especially does, for women. You should does. be selfless. <laughs> yeah. Bullshit. It does. It does. I think we're taught as little that, you know, we're supposed to exist in a certain way and not take up too much space. And then the moment we do, you know, it's, I think it's easier. Men are taught at an earlier age that it's, they're supposed to take up space in the world. They're supposed to go out there and, you know, do your thing and be grand. Right. And, and a few minutes ago, you mentioned something that's really worth saying again, which is this idea of enoughness. And I, I do my best to live by this. And I, I did a post about it the other day because I was in Europe and I was sleeping and I, it was like six o'clock in the morning. I just got to London from France and I turned over my phone to see what time it was. And I had like a million texts. What? Well, of course I panicked at first, but I read it and I, Elizabeth Gilbert posted about you on Instagram. And I looked and Elizabeth Gilbert had wrote the most, be you were one of them that texted me mm -hmm. the most beautiful post about me. And I, and, and this other woman named Sherry Salada who has a book coming out today and Liz has a book coming out today. And she really lives her life in this way that says there is enough. And there's a lot of other personal things that she's done that I won't even share because they're not mine to share and just helping other women that I know. And she models that. And I think it's so important, you model that, to have those of us, especially those of us with quote-unquote big platforms, doing that. Hey, there's enough. Does that mean we can help every single person and post? At no. <laughs> no, but it's that deep knowing instead of that fear-based, like, <gasps> there's not enough. And where do you think that comes from? Because I think that's, uh, I've been through so many moments in my life where I felt absolute lack, you know, even though maybe I, if I looked around, I had a lot. I think a lot of it is conditioning of what we've been told since the beginning of time, especially as women. One of the things I work really hard at in my work is myth busting is like fucking these f forgetting these uh 
myths that like women are bitchy, women are catty, women can't support each other. But we're kind of raised with that that mentality. Yeah, that's not at all true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and it can be. And sometimes there isn't enough. Like I'm not suggesting that there are people out there who don't have enough to eat or who, you know, can't get their kid medicine. So it's not I'm not saying some like, you know, bullshit, woo-woo, positive, fake thing. But in terms of believing like, oh, because I'm there's going to be someone out there that's going to look at my book and be like, well, I, I mean, now, great. Now, now she did it. I can't do it. There's not enough. Or she got yeah, to it Yeah, people first. doing the same thing in the same space. There's mm-hmm. sometimes this, this right. automatic idea that, oh, okay, now we have to compete. You right. know, or I have to do this better. Or I thought of that first versus, I, I love what, and I repeat this a lot on the show, what uh, Ashley Allren always says whenever there's any talk of, the yoga world and competition and things like that. She says, there are millions of people out there who have never heard of yoga. <laughs> exactly. Like millions of people who've never even thought of this as a possibility. Like go for those people. There's an abundance, you know, for yeah. everyone. I love that. And the same goes as whatever field you're in. You know, if you're a writer, there's millions of people out there waiting to pick up a new book. I know, because we, we live you in know. this bubble. It's like, oh, I mean, no, there's just so many people. And the yoga world, it's, it's, I've always sort of felt like a black sheep. And I felt that way, I don't fit in the writing world, I don't fit in the yoga world, bullshit stories. But, you know, I'm not particularly great at asana. I'm not super flexible. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm never, I'm not one of those people that post pictures of myself doing it because I don't do it that well, which is a bullshit story. I'm able to like be on the mat and that's enough, but I just wouldn't post. And you're a great teacher. I mean, I am a great teacher, but I just like, I can't do a handstand. Okay, so, so... Anyway, Yoga Journal spent a week with me just now in France. And just this morning, in fact, I haven't had time to even read it. They wrote the most beautiful post. And I am, it's just so exciting because I was like, yeah, I've always felt like the black sheep. <laughs> yoga. <laughs> so yeah, they came to my retreat, this beautiful human being named Lindsay. And yep, it's live on Yoga Journal now. How this amazing whole, is that yeah yeah there you are in the yoga world i know i finally made it i've arrived in the the writing world writing you know right but see how bullshit stories work you know and it's like yeah just things i've told about myself and just because i thought i didn't i never quite fit in the yoga world and then we kind of make ourselves not fit in by telling us that story right or we keep ourselves from stepping into that space because we tell ourselves that we don't belong yeah well what i did is i just sometimes made up my own thing then. I was like, well, I don't really fit in there. Okay, I'll make up my own little <laughs> thing. Yeah, but then it turns out you do fit, you know? Exactly. Everybody fits. <laughs> I, I, it's so true. That's such a bullshit story because it, that's how I felt when I was waiting tables, that I was I was just a waitress and I it was worthless, especially in Hollywood, you know, as people were like big stars coming in and such a bullshit story. Everybody fits in. Everybody is worth it. I'm getting all fired up. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, this is a huge, huge week. This is a huge day. The book is out. What do you have in store? Is there anywhere people can go and meet you or see you in person? Do you have any signings? I won't I won't bother saying about the ones that are going to be passed because this will go in the air Friday. But Monday, June 10th in Brooklyn at the Center for Fiction, I will be in conversation with Laura Donnelly, who's an amazing um, Irish actress. She will be nominated for a Tony Award the night before for The Ferryman, which she won an Olivier for 
last year in the UK, and she just landed the starring role of Joss Whedon's new show on HBO called The Nevers. So we're going to be in conversation Monday night, Center for Fiction, 7 p.m. In Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It's 10 bucks. And I'm, I'm, please come. If you're listening, please, please come. I'm so excited. And I, you know, I don't live there. So just come, come see me in Brooklyn. Where can people find? Do you have all of this listed somewhere yeah. so they can find, you know, where to go, how to find you? JenniferPasteloff.com. I Ooh. hang out the most. <laughs> JenniferPasteloff.com. I hang out the most Instagram at Jen Pasteloff. Beautiful. Lots yeah. of stuff coming up. So yeah. everyone listening, uh, JenniferPasteloff.com. You can find all the dates, all the all the places to go see you and hug you and get your book signed. If you guys haven't picked up or ordered already on Being Human, it's out everywhere right now. And it's an amazing book. You have to, have to, have to read it. And I'm, can I just say, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I'm like weepy. I'm like, did I forget to take my meds? No. Um, Thank you. I, I feel that. And I, I so love our friendship and your support and your enoughness and you are a sister to me. So really, really thank you. Thank you. Hmm, Thank you. And you know, this has been such a long time coming and you deserve all the praise, all the attention. I mean, this is going to be a number one. I've told you that for such a long time. I think a year ago, I was walking past mm. an airport and I was like, oh, soon Jen's book is going to be on the bestseller list in all the airports. I oh, know I don't even know. I know like, it. I, I, I <laughs> take a breath. Um, that would be a dream come true. And I really appreciate all of you buying it, especially this week. It's it, the first week of sales are the most important. So please do it this week. And thank you. Yeah. You all, you all are with me, and none of this I did alone. None of it. Hmm. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for Thank being you. who you Thank are. You. Thanks for coming on the show, even though I know you're jet lagged. And uh, have a crazy week ahead. And hey, on this hey, super special day, I feel, yeah. I don't suck, right? No! <laughs> <laughs> See, we all need those people. I don't suck, right? Yeah, so one last thing. This morning, Emily McDowell, she created a surprise for me, an art of my quote, which is, may I have the courage to be who I say I am. And I really want to remember that as I walk through the world right now with this book. May I have the courage to be who I say I am. And remember that how the book is received has nothing to do with me, sales, all of that. Just like, let it go. And who I am is love. So just may I have the courage. May you all listening hear me say this now. May I have the courage to be who I say I am. And may that apply to each of us too. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and happy, happy, happy book birthday. Thank you. Love you. Love you. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and a huge thanks to my friend Jen Pasteloff for coming on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Buffy, Ancestry, Bob's Red Mill, and Quip. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.